If I didn't put a date on it, I wouldn't remember myself. <laughs> See, Ephesians 4 tells us that God gave us gifts in the church. Right? The fivefold ministry. And their purpose is to do what? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But it went further than that. So that they might grow. Then as a measuring stick of that, that they would grow into the statue of, of who? Peter, Paul, John, Thomas, Judas. Any of the disciples? That we would grow into the fullness of the measure of the statue of who? Christ. See, Paul only told me, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. But if you don't follow Christ, quit following Paul. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Paul said that was the greatest revelation that God had hid until the time that it was revealed to him. And he said, no, no man's revealed this to me. He said, I got it by revelation. Peter didn't have it. None of the disciples had it when they walked with Jesus. It wasn't time to reveal it. And Paul was preaching this message of the, the new covenant and he was preaching about Christ is now in you. And Peter just like, man, Paul preaches some things it's just hard to understand. Hmm? Peter could tell you everything about Jesus that he knew because he walked with him every day and they ate the fish. They, you know, they, they, he saw them. He was there. Paul was never there. So Paul got everything by revelation. So, you, so you're either going to get it by revelation or you're going to live in information. Information is what you gather through your five senses, through your school, university, what you've learned in life. And we, we gather that that's a part of our life and it can be a help and it can be a blessing to us, but it also can be a curse. Some people have a personality that they have a real analytical mind. They, they analyze everything. That's some of the hardest people that God has to work with sometimes. The analytical could be, can be great in certain places where they stop and they think and they process and they think about the whole thing. But when you need to act quickly, the analytical mind, the Bible says, is the enmity of God, the enemy of God. Because the analytical mind pretty much gets its, uh, it gets its information, it gathers it from the five senses. And God gave us those five senses to bless us but not to rule our lives. Hmm. And mostly what's directing your life now is what, uh, you're, uh, what is tied into the emotional realm of your life. If you're hurt or you've been hurt by someone and those emotions are real, they're raw, then they, they're, they're renting space in your mind. If you're sick in body or you have uh, family issues or things with your children or stuff like this, these are things that, that, that are going on in your mind and they're renting spaces in your mind. So the analytical mind is where dreams, you know, Jesus, I come to give you life and give it life to you what? More abundantly. Now, um, I'm going to stay on cue, but he did not say I've come to give you abundant life. The mafia has that. He said, I come to give you life, which is what? What is life actually? As a student of the word, you find it's the, you go to the Strong's, 
It's the number 2222. That should be easy to remember. And if you look it up, it says it's the word Z-O-E or Zoe. So Jesus, I come to give you Zoe, which in many ways of saying it is the nature of God. It's life as God has it. Hmm? So he said, I've come to give you my life. I've come to give you my nature. I've come to give you a DNA of God, that, that, of God's essence, who he is, and I'm putting that in a new man. But Satan comes before that to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way he can attack you is through your mind. So where Jesus come to give you life abundantly, not abundant life. So abundant life is not just having a, a Rolls Royce or a beach home and all the, that. That's great. And that's fine. But he come to give you life, Zoe, and give it to you in abundance. The song we, we sang said, till it overflows. Now, where is that abundant life? It's in your spirit. But see, we're waiting for it to drop out of heaven. Come, Holy Spirit. Well, why you pick your head up? Why don't you go down like this? Hmm? Now, some people don't like this message because it puts responsibility on them. So there, there's plenty of voices that are saying, you know, God's just about, God's just about. I mean, I, I've been in the ministry, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not counting Bible school or, you know, help being in church all my life. I'm talking about from the time I got out of Bible school to this day, I've been, I've been pastoring for, uh, I'm, I'm about to complete my 27th year going to my 28th. So I'm just, I've just learned two or three things and had to let the rest of it go. Hmm. There's still more that I don't know than what I do know. If I was going to write a book, it would be not about what I know. It'd be a book to say, don't, don't do that. <laughs> and that might help somebody. Well, so Jesus come to give you life till it overflows, but it's on the inside of you. But do we have mastery of that? Because when you have mastery of that, not, well, not only will it be in your spirit, which it is, but it'll be in your soul. And it will control your mind, your will, and your emotions. The problem that we have is when we read the Bible, read, read the Gospels, and you have to remember that Jesus never ministered to a saved person. Never. Who was saved that he ever ministered to? And so we can even take scriptures, and I don't, I'm not trying to, I mean, I, I know it's like I pick fights with people, but I'm not, I'm not here to pick a fight. And this, this is a good evangelistic scripture that he came to seek and save the lost. But he did. But it's not in the sense if he came to seek and save. He wasn't trying to find someone who was lost because oh, like everybody was. Including his mother. What had been lost was lost in the Garden of Eden. And he came to seek and save that which had been lost from Adam to reconcile back to God. No, it's fine. People use that scripture. And we ought to be lost minded thinking about winning the loss. But I want us to gain a, a little mastery of this. And, and so we'll just go just a little ways in it. But in John chapter 15. And here's our mindset. So when you read the woman with the issue of blood. Or if you read about the story where, where the four 
man, the man who was paralyzed in his four. Remember, they tried to get in the house where Jesus was. Many believe this was Jesus' own home. They couldn't get in. Remember how they let him down through the roof? And he got healed. So when, when I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you're reading a story like the woman with issue of blood, if you've ever put yourself in the story like you was there, who would you be? What would be the mindset if you was in the crowd? What would be the mindset if you was the woman with the issue of blood? And now listen, what would be the mindset if you was Jesus? Do you think that everyone in the crowd had the mindset of Jesus? No. Did everyone in the crowd have the mindset of the woman with the issue of blood? No, because there was many people trying to get to him, but there was only one person out of that crowd that got healed. Because she had determined if I could just even touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. Right. There's no record of anybody else getting healed. And then when she was healed, long story shorter, he turned around and he said, who touched me? And the disciples now listen, that the disciples of which you are, but which you really aren't. See, don't make yourself a disciple of those disciples. We can learn from them, but they're not. The, see, that's not the pattern. That's not the goal is to is to repeat Peter. The only one in the scriptures that we are to pattern ourselves after is who? Jesus. But a lot of times we act like the people in the crowd or the disciples. Now, to understand who you really, 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 really are, you have to change what Romans 12 says. You have to transform your mind because the mind has been conformed. Everyone in here has a mindset that has been conformed to either the way you was raised, the way you was taught, what you believed in church, your experiences of life. They've formed opinions and mindsets. The only thing that we have to decide is, is our mindset congruent, agreement in agreement with God. So when we're in trouble, listen, please. When we're in trouble or we have an answer, we shouldn't say, what does the Bible say? We should say what the Bible says. Did, did you get that? Well, that would, that would mean that you become a student. But you're a student after Christ. Now, can we learn from Paul, Peter, and all that? Sure. But, but you're, you're at a higher level today than they ever was when they walked with Jesus. They, they had no idea he was dying. They, they didn't even have, know, understand what his purpose was. They, they, they just wanted, you know, they wanted Jesus to get the Romans off their back, so to speak. They wanted him to set up a, a, a kingdom right there. They, they, they didn't understand, and it wasn't time for them. So Paul got it, but he was not even there. He didn't know if Jesus liked, liked his fish you know, rare or medium well or, you know, well broiled. But they did. They didn't know if Jesus slept on his back or his side or his stomach. I mean, the disciples did. Paul didn't. He wasn't there. But he had a revelation that none of them had. 
Jesus gave us clues before he went to the cross that he wants us to know. And here's some of the clues. In John 15, in verse 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends for all things, all, all, all things that I heard from my father, I have made known unto you. Well, wouldn't that be amazing if the Bible was true? Well, is it? Yes. So he says, I don't, Jesus is saying, I don't see you as a servant. Maybe translation says, I don't see you as a slave. And remember, he hadn't died yet, so we're, we're getting a glimpse into the new covenant of what you're in, but they weren't in. He says, so I call you my friends. He says, you understand that a servant or a slave has no idea, they have no clue, they have no insight into what the master is doing. Let's, let's change it a little bit if I can, not do disservice to the, the scripture of the Bible. Let's put kingdom in there. You, you understand that as born again, that you understand that you're in the kingdom of God, right? You, you understand that? Y'all understand yes. that you're in the kingdom? They weren't. In John 15, they weren't in the kingdom. But Jesus was always preaching the kingdom all the time. There's over a hundred references of Jesus preaching the kingdom and two times he talked about the church. So if you can find something a hundred times that Jesus talked about, we probably should listen to that. Hmm? But how can we be an extension of the kingdom? How can we be an ambassador of the kingdom if we have the mindset of a servant or a slave? Can't do it, can you? If you work for a large corporation and they hire you Tuesday and they have four or 5,000 employees or 20,000, do you think the CEOs and the company is going to come in and give you all the insights into the company and tell you all the ins and outs? And No, I mean, you're, you're on a probation period. You might be gone the next day. So they're not sharing that with you. You're just there to do your job. But Jesus said, I'm not here just to let you see me healed so you can say, wow, look at that. He said, I'm here to train you to think like I think. So therefore, I don't want you to think like a servant, and I don't want you to think like a slave, and I don't want you to think like an employee. So the difference between a slave, there's a difference between a slave and a son. And I can't do all this this morning, but there's, there's so many scriptures that talk about we are the sons of God. Much teaching, thank God, has been talked about sonship. We know that in Romans 8 that we've been adopted, that we know our, we're no longer under the bondage of fear, whereby we cry what? Abba Father or Father Father or Daddy Daddy, right? That's family. That's not slave, that's family. That's not employee, that's family. So we, know, we, we, we get that, that we are in the family of God, that we are the children of God, we are the sons of God. But it hasn't yet registered who we really are yet because it hasn't risen to the place. So we can sing songs about, the, oh, Lord, let your glory fall down. And that does happen. We're not discounting that. 
But it's like we're waiting on a move, and I want to tell you something. You are the move. I, I hope you got that. That you're waiting on a move, but you are the move. The Great Commission was... Did, did you read anything in the Great Commission about, and there shall be a move that shall come and fall upon you? Acts 2 had already happened, right? Before Jesus sent it back to heaven. And then he gave them instructions right there. Go, go into all the world and, then, and do what? Make disciples of them, right? And then sit and wait on a move. Hmm? Is that in the Bible? Is it? No. So when the move was in Acts chapter 2, and it came suddenly. You say, well, I had to, I've had the Holy Ghost since 1964. Well, amen. I wonder if he ever had you. Y'all didn't get that, did you? You might have him, but does he have you? <clears throat> what did he tell you this week? What did he speak to you this morning? What instructions were you given this week or last week? Well, I don't really know anything in particular. Well, see, that comes out of relationship. So we have to have an awareness. I do this all the time when I lay down. I'm in a room by myself. I don't see him. But I just, I just talk to him. Because I know he's with me. I know he's in the room. I know he surrounds me. I know he's, he's closer to me than my skin. I know he's my last breath he's, and he's my next breath. And when you begin to be aware of that, you'll find out that he'll begin to speak with you. And he'll show you things. And he'll reveal things to you. He'll tell you things that will help you, bless you, and help others. Because you become aware of him. See, sometimes we just think in Pentecostal circles that, you know, the Holy Ghost is the head of the goosebump department. He's the one that helps you run around the room and holler and scream and shout and pray in tongues. Well, <clears throat> I like the Holy Ghost meeting just as good as anybody in this room, maybe more. But he's also very gentle. He's also very loving. He's also very compassionate. He can also be very aggressive. Hmm. He is the power of God. When the Red Sea was open, it was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit opened them waters. But he also closed them. So he can be gentle, but he can also be very forceful. But we're to have koinea with him, sweet fellowship with him. And you'll have to train yourself about the presence of him. Otherwise, you'll just say, the, I, I, I've been endeavoring for two or three years, everywhere I can, to take out. And, and I'm not saying this is wrong. And you'll find it in your Bible. This is just for me. Do anything you want to with it. I always try to interject when I say this is Eric and not the Bible. But I, I like to say Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. It makes it more personal. It'd be like if I was going to introduce Christian to you and I said, I'd like y'all to meet the Christian or the Bill. 
You say, well, why didn't you say Christian or Bill? Well, then why do we call the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit? How, why don't we just say Holy Spirit? Hmm. He's a person. He has emotions. He can be happy. We know from the scripture he can be grieved. Hmm. And he longs. He longs to have fellowship with you. Hmm. He knows what you care about. He knows your thoughts before you have them. Psalms 139 says, God knows every day of your life before you live the first one. He knows every thought, every word you would speak before they came out of your mouth. Wouldn't it make common sense? Can I talk about common sense? That if you have someone in you that knows every thought and every word you're going to say before they happen, it would, it would do us good to take time to fellowship with someone like that? who has your best interest in heart, who knows the plan, the plan for your life because he planned it out. We know that he did, according to many scriptures. We know there's a volume. The Bible says there's books in heaven or scrolls that are, that are in heaven that has to do with your life. Jesus had his own book. We know in Hebrews, we get, we, we, you can find in the book of Daniel. We know there's courts in heaven. We know that God has court. Hmm? I can tell you this. There's been a lot of court going on in heaven this past few months. And I don't know if you realize this, but court's taking place all the time. I can... I, I'll skip that. Things are changing. They're shifting right now. You don't, you, you, you don't see them on the news, but they're already in the atmosphere. I didn't even ask for this. I was just speaking to the Holy Spirit and other things. I was just telling him how much I loved him and how wonderful he was. And I was just asking him. I said, uproot everything in me that's not of you. If it's not the character of God, the nature of God, it's not the thoughts of God, please get this out of me. And so when I come to him, I, I approach myself as it, him as if I know nothing, like I'm a blank sheet of paper. It's almost like, duh. Because what we do is when we receive revelation, a lot of times we take the revelation that we heard or he's given us. And the problem is we place it on top of what we think is already foundation. And sometimes our foundation's wrong in some, some areas. Not, you know, I'm not talking about your whole life. In some areas. And when it is, and you take that revelation, you try to place it upon the other. And that's why most churches, <clears throat> there's very few churches that, you know, that teach just law. I have found one person on, on TV, Christian TV, that uh, I, I can say he is committed to the law. Every bit of it is straight law. Most churches are old covenant and new covenant mixed. They know that they'll talk about the goodness of God and the grace of God, but they'll give you enough law to keep you straight. Because they're afraid, if, you know, if they, just, if they take the whip away and they open the gate, you might run out. They, they think if you just preach grace too much, which is the new covenant that Paul preached, that we will be giving you a permit to go sin. But I was sinning, and you were sinning before anyone gave us a permit. 
because it was our nature. And the Bible says sin gets its strength from the law. So we want to have a mindset of not disciples, but we want to have the mindset of Christ. Because he said, I, I don't want to call you a disciple. I don't want to call you a slave. I don't want to call you an employee. I don't want to call you a servant. I want to call you a son. So that you arise in your thinking and your soul to the place of who you really are out of your spirit. That's where the conflict is. In your spirit, everything's right. The problem is it gets short-circuited going through the soul, and then everything gets aborted, and it doesn't come to pass. Because we're supposed to have the same works and greater works, right? That's what Jesus said. Amen. Okay. Only got just a few minutes. Y'all doing all right? So a servant mindset, if I can say it this way, is an old covenant mindset. A slave or a servant has to be told what to do. Hmm? Or they don't, and, and, and they don't obey. Year, years ago, when, when, when he started showing some of the things, he, he said, this is the part of Aaron, your ministry, that you are a servant and not a son. And I said, I don't understand. He says, you don't want to preach anything until you wait and hear from me exactly what to do, you're afraid to go in one direction or another. He said, but it, it is out of you want to be, for it to be right and right for the people. There's nothing wrong with that. But see, that's really thinking as a servant instead of a son. If we jump two subjects, you'd only find, you'd only find two places in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit had to lead someone to do something. Paul was only stopped one time. He was going to go to Asia Minor and the Holy Spirit forbid him to go and told him to go to Macedonia, remember? If you do a little Bible study, you'll find out because of what happened in Macedonia, it opened up everything in Asia Minor. It, would become, it became more profitable than he went there. Paul was just fulfilling the Great Commission to go preach everywhere he's supposed to and he was never stopped but one time. Why? Because he was already given orders. So we take scriptures that says, says Jesus only did what he, what he heard and Jesus only did what he said, so I'm not going to do anything until Jesus says something. Well, then you're a servant and you're a slave. We've talked about this before. Those of you who work with other people or those of you who employ people. And I've done both. Before ministry, I've, I was always in retail. I've managed stores, I've managed dollar stores, Fred's, Family Dollars, all this kind of stuff. I've, I've hired and fired more people than you can imagine. People can't poly, pass the polygraph because they've been stealing half the store, people, you know, whatever, you know, just on and on and on until I owned my own store, you know, a floor covering business, and then had to fire people there. And, uh, and I found out that most people have an employee mindset. And God wants you to have the as, as who you are, that I made the earth for you, and I want you to think as a, a, a proprietor of that. We don't own it. He owns everything. But in other words, you need to take ownership. 
You can always tell when someone is in the church and, and, and it's not their church yet because they'll talk to you and say, what time does you know, your church start and what time does your church? When they keep on at, saying your church, your church, your church, they have, they're not in yet. And when they say our church, then we begin to take ownership. We got certain people that'll drive into the park a lot. Men in the morning they'll come and they'll see, you know, we got people who's willing to throw trash out in the churchyard. They're willing to do that. And we got certain people who says that, that, you know, that just doesn't look good for our church. And so they'll go out there and pick it up before church starts. That's taking ownership. That's taking pride. I didn't even ask them to do it. It's because there's, there's leadership already in them. Amen. It makes me happy. It makes the Lord. I mean, you, you may not think about that Burger King bad and be no big deal, but God's like, you go, boy. Because <laughs> if you could pick up that, I can trust you with, with all kinds of things. Are y'all okay? So we're not to look and be the disciples when we, when we look at the, um, at the scriptures where uh, Jesus is our pattern because we're to raise to the measure the statue of him. Um, a servant's mentality always relates to their master. In the parable of the, when he gave each one a talent, and he came back, remember? And the one, there was one who did nothing with it but hid it. The one who had two, he doubled it. And he was blessed and given double. The one who had five, he was blessed. And the one who did nothing with what he gave him, he was rebuked. Jesus always comes back to see what you've done with what he's given you. See, the, the problem, the highest place to get to is, is to walk in the authority knowing who you are because we've already been given orders. See, we've been given orders, ambassadors, to reconcile the people in the earth. Well, there's plenty of work to do. So we don't need a leading to reconcile people. If they're lost, we're to reconcile them so that they're born again. If you see people who are oppressed or depressed or they're demonic, they, uh, you know, uh, possessed, then we are to free, set the captive free. You don't need a leading. You've already given a commission. Hmm? So we're to reconcile their, their spirit. We're to reconcile their, their mind. And, we're, and if we find them sick, then we are to reconcile their body back to health. We was already given that mandate. We don't need a leading to do that. Hmm? Are y'all here? So when we're just waiting, Lord, should I go minister to that person who's disturbed or they're sick or whatever? You, you was already told to. Now, he, he may get the Holy Spirit may speak to you about the method. How to do it, but he's already reconciled. He already told you to reconcile the lost, the oppressed, set the captive free. Right. And heal the sick. You do not need a leading. He already gave you a command. You'll never do that if you're an employee. You'll never do that with the mentality as, as, as a slave. You'll never do it as never because you're waiting for instructions. And that's what the Lord told me. You're, you're waiting for me to give you something to preach. You're afraid to preach something unless I just carved it out in stone like Moses when you already see in your church what needs to take place, he says, use the wisdom I already gave you and minister the word and quit waiting on me to give you an outline every week. And I got rebuked. 
So a lot of times I'll just go this way. And then if he says go this way, then I'll, I'll do it. But a lot of times, you know, Brother Hagin said one time the Lord didn't talk to him before, for 14 years. He said, man, I had fellowship. And we talked. He said, but he gave me no instructions for 14 years and it bothered him. So he says, Lord, where have you been? Have I done something wrong? He says, I mean, why, why, why aren't you speaking with me about ministry and whatever? And the Lord said, what you want me to talk about? He says, well, you haven't given me any instructions in 14 years. He said, do you remember the last instructions I gave you? He says, yes. He said, what were they? And Brother Hagin said, well, you told me to do this, 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 and this. He says, well, when it changes, I'll let you know. He says, get, get back to work. This thought hit me in my 50s, which I barely am in there. I got a few more months. <laughs> There's some people who has, they're multi-gifted to do all kinds of things, and I can be in all of them, but this thought only hit me in my 50s that there might only be one or two things that the Lord really needs you to do in your entire lifetime. And you may think that's very insignificant, but it's, I'm telling you, it's very significant. It'd be better you to do the one thing he called you to do than go try to mimic someone else who does the five other things they never called you to do. Because see, if you try to be someone else, you're no longer unique. And if I try to be Bill and what God called him to do instead of what he called me to do, then I'm assuming he only needs one of us. So since I'm the copy, he would discard me. Your calling's unique. And when you stand in your calling, that's what gives God glory. His glory covers all the earth. God loves the variety of the flowers and the trees. And when the rose and the tulip, now that it's spring and they begin to open up and they begin to blossom, God created them. And when they begin to open and blossom, what they're actually doing is saying, I worship you. And as they open up to God and show their splendor and their glory, God gets glory from a tulip, a daisy, a rose, whatever it is. And when you begin to open up into who you are, whether you're in the nursery, whether you're picking up the trash, whether you're painting the room, whether you're on the sidewalk preaching to someone, whether you're in the hospital, you're cooking a meal, you're giving God glory for who you are. And it gives him such great pleasure, as Christian was talking about, when, you just, when you're just walking in. And it's not insignificant. Did you know that in the body of Christ, which is so vast, only less than 5% of the body of Christ is in the capacity in which I stand? So I am in a minority. A minority. I spent way too many years trying to be somebody else. I can't be T.D. Jakes. The man can preach faster than I can think. Hmm? I watch some people with all their gifting, whatever, and the words just come out like, just like, wow. And I'm thinking, I, I, I've never even had the thoughts, much less ministered it. But I've decided with God's help and by the grace of God, I'll be the best me that he called me to be. Hmm? And I'm okay with that. So that makes me secure in me now because of him. I'm not here to impress you. And apparently that hasn't worked really good anyway. I only want him to be pleased. 
so part of my responsibility is to help us to understand who we are. So uh, we didn't hardly get anywhere that I hoped we would get. And I've used this illustration before, but it's, it's, it's easy for me because I've, I've, I've <clears throat> when I worked for Family Dollar for a number of years, and before <clears throat> I was going to become a manager, but there was only one store that was going to be close to me. I lived in Clanton, and, that, and they already had a manager in Clanton. <clears throat> and I did train some in that store, but they said, we'll have one in Millbrook coming up. But it's going to be about a half a year. But we, we could hire you, but you'll have to travel, and we're going to open up stores, and you'll, you'll kind of stay in the southeast, and you'll go to the east coast and stuff like that. And we were kind of newly married, didn't really want to do that, but I, but we'd, I did that for a half a year. And we'd go into a city, and, they, and we'd have a building, we'd put an ad in the paper, we'd hire 50, 75 people to get that store ready for opening. And then when it opened, out of 75 people, they'd keep about 20, so they had to let the others go. You know, it was just there to open it up, and then staff, we'd go to the ribbon cutting ceremony with the mayor, and then we'd leave town, go to the next city, start it all over again. So I've, I've hired a lot of people, and then when I got my store, we hired 50 people in Millbrook, you know, same thing. And I ended up with about 18 employees. And after one month, they told me to let out of 18. They said, let 15 go. They all failed, you know, failed the polygraph. They're all stealing. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. How about that? So I, that was good choices I made. You know, I picked a bunch of thieves. <laughs> so so I, 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 was, I was used to that. And if you took the parable that I talked about, the talents, Sometimes you have someone who does nothing, the person with the one. So they're useless to you, they're useless to the kingdom in their present condition. But then you have the person, and let me make this point really well. You have the person, now put yourself in the kingdom. Are you a son or are you a servant or are you a disciple? In Just, just pick one of the pair or just pick a store, the one with the issue of blood. Was you one in the crowd how did you think? Are you trying to get to Jesus? Well, what, was Je what was Jesus' mindset? It wasn't like the people in the crowd. He wasn't thronging them. They were thronging him because he had something to give and they didn't. Peter and John went to the gate, a beautiful, and they said, look on us. No one tells you to look on me if you don't have anything. They said, they said such, as I want, such as I have, give I unto you. They knew, they said, look, you have a situation, but I have something to give. What I give will bless you. You're asking for alms. And I always kids say so he was asking for arms if God gave him legs. But anyway, they were asking for alms or money. And Peter said, silver and gold, I have not. But such as, such as we have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Rise and walk. You cannot give away something that you do not have. So they knew what they had in the name of Jesus. What do you have this in you, this lying dormant that you have not given away because you see yourself as a servant, a disciple, instead of a son, and you haven't come into sonship yet, which covers both genders. And there's only two. I don't care what they're telling you. Amen. So, amen. It's called male and female. And God calls both sons. Amen. So we'll end with this. So, in the, so a lot of times when I hired employees, and, and, and I can't help it. I, I don't get it as much these days, but I did it for years. But because I managed the store, 
Um, and I, I, I was just very busy all the time. I, I had to move quick. And I was, I, I guess I had a presence about me as a manager. So, it, I mean, it, it's, sometimes it still happens to me. It happened to me, you know, 25 years after I, I, I could go into a Walmart. I could go into a store. I could go into a grocery store. I guess it was just the way I carried myself because I'd been in that atmosphere so many years. I can't tell you how many hundred times people say, uh, do you work here? Are you, are you the manager? I'm like, no, I'm just here to get some eggs and some milk. What made them think I was the manager? It must have been the way that I looked and carried myself. Are, are, are you getting that? I, I'm, not, I'm talking about the principal, not me. Are you getting this? What made them think I was the manager? What do they see when they see you? So I'm trying to end this. So in, in hiring people, I had people that was just, you might call duds. They, they wouldn't do anything. They were hiding. They were looking to, they were hiding behind boxes, taking naps, and they had to be let go. <clears throat> then we had the other person who would do everything you told them. And that's all they do. If you said, <clears throat> John, go do this. He said, yes, sir. He'd go do it. And that's it. Then you say, John, go do this. And he said, yes, sir. And he'd go do it. And Jesus called that man unprofitable. Unprofitable. See, the five-talent man would do everything that you told him to do and everything that you didn't tell him to do because he, he saw, because he didn't see himself as a servant, an employee, or a slave. He saw him as part of the kingdom. He was the, he was the administrator. So the, the person who, that you hire only does what you tell them and they do nothing else. Jesus said, you say, well, what's wrong with that? Here's what's wrong with it. They only do something if you tell them to do it. Taking just back to John 15 where Jesus said, I don't, ever, I don't call you servants or slaves. He said, I call you friends. In other words, we are co-laborers with God. And he says, everything that I have, I've given to you. So you have enough information to go act. So why do I have to tell you everything to do? I've already told you to reconcile the lost. You find someone who's set captive in their mind or demons, you set them free. You see someone that's sick and needs healing the body, you don't need a leading for that. You've already been given a leading. Hmm? And this is where people would disagree with me. I, I believe in revival just as much as anybody does. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who need to be revived. You know, there's a lot of, and, and sadly to say, there's a lot of Christians who need to be revived. And I thought, why? Why do you need to be revived all the time? You don't have a Bible. You don't know God. You don't know the Holy Spirit. You don't have a relationship. Do I look like someone who's depressed? Hmm. I have as many problems you do, maybe more right now. Amen. I can see them and feel them as we speak. But do, do you think I'm going to take my life today? No. I'm going to take myself to the restaurant or somewhere, you know, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> it's like Levi used to say one time, he used to say, you know, if you ever wake up one morning and they say, he took his life. He said one word, investigate. That's, that ain't true. <laughs> I did not take my life. 
So the, the person who has to be told everything to do, Jesus says, to me, they're unprofitable. I don't want to be that person. I know that's kind of hard to think. Well, they say, well, they, but they do everything that you ask them. He's, and and that's, what, that's what he's telling us. He's trying to tell us, he says, they do everything that I ask them, but if I don't ask them, they do nothing. And if you go to the restaurant, how many of you have ever had a, a, good, a, a really good waiter or waitress? How many of you ever had a poor one? How many of you ever, ever had a, a waiter or a waitress that they, they, they're watching and they're looking at your table and, and they, they are perceiving ahead of time what you do need or will need? How many of you have had one that you've just had to just like almost stand up on the chair and, you know, even to get their attention? And then you can hardly get them there. That's unprofitable. People are waiting on God and think waiting is just sitting here like, well, I'm just going to wait till God does something and tells me to go do this or gives me a message or tells me to go witness to somebody. And Lord, I'm just I'm just waiting on you. Lost people going all the time, sick people going by all the time. And they're just sitting there waiting on God. I left Raymond in 1994, and, I'm, and I know this for a fact. There's people who still there that I graduated in 1994 are still sitting in a broken area of Oklahoma waiting for God to tell them something to do. They're still there. Really? So the unprofitable servant is someone who only does what God tells him to do. When you have the authority and dominion of the kingdom of God at your disposal. So if we lived in that understanding and we had daily koinia and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, tell me why you would need to be revived all the time. But the church is always going to need it and God understands that. So he called a revivalist. Rodney Howard Brown said, I know I did it for years. He said, it was, you know, it, it was a pleasure to go. He said, but I got really, to be honest with you, I got really tired of it. And we asked him why. He said, because I, go, I have to go back to the same church six months later because they were, they lost it again. It's like, it's like a slow leak on a tire and you keep on having that air to it. <clears throat> why are we leaking all the time? Why do we need the praise team or certain worship to lift us up? Why would a pastor always be preaching encouragement sermons instead of instructive sermons? Because strong meat are those who take, this, take the word and they put it into effect, into effect and then they, that, the meat is doing. So when G, they came back from the woman at Samaria... And they saw Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. They were astounded, but they didn't want to ask him, what you doing? They said, well, we brought back meat for you to eat. And he says, I already have He said, I already have meat to eat. He said, my meat is to do what? To do the will of the Father. The meat is the doing. It's not a message. Amen. So you can go to church and hold a chair down. If you do, you are a servant. When you begin to walk in the authority of who you are as a new as a new creature in Christ Jesus, you have now become you have now went from servanthood to becoming master over all things. And I'll, this is my last thing I want to say so that you don't misunderstand. 
Jesus stripped himself of all privileges, Philippians says, as God, Philippians said, and was born a human and served. There's nothing wrong. You're, you're, not a, you're not a servant. You're a son. You're a son who serves. Who's master over all things. See, we have sonship, but sonship will serve. But they'll serve from the position of understanding I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I'm not the master. I'm not the slave. Because he lets me in on all things. Amen. Is that okay? Amen. <clears throat> you see, it takes a while to get mastery of that. Changes your thinking. Then you, be, you, you become aware of people. And you become aware of who I am and what I have to give and what I can release. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God.